Hi everybody and welcome to the Communication Coach podcast where I will be bringing you the world of hostage and crisis negotiation into everyday communication. I'm your host, Nikki Perfect. Good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful Sunday morning here in the UK, and you're listening to The Communication Coach. Welcome back. Hope you've all had a good week. I have been having a very busy week. Lots has been going on. I've been teaching at a national negotiation course this week, watching the students grow from where they think they were, their whole belief systems, and changing that over a period of time, changing their communication, and getting them to interact with people in crisis. It's an amazing thing to see, and I have to say, I feel really privileged and honoured to be part of that. You know, often on the Sunday when the students turn up, they look at me um, quizzically when I say to them, this isn't just a negotiation course, it's a personal development course. And you'll probably go for an emotional roller coaster of how you're feeling and your expectations. And I see them on Sunday looking at me thinking, really? I'm not sure I believe that. This is like a normal course. And then by the end of the second week, most of them have said, yeah, gosh, I've really learned a lot about myself. And in fact, on Friday, this Friday just gone, before the weekend, we were talking to some of the students and th- a lot of them were already saying, you've really opened my eyes to how we communicate generally and how I would like to communicate, especially with my wife and also my teenage children because often we come at communication from our very own point of view in fact not often all the time I'm going to say that that is a sweeping statement I understand that but most of the time we say and do things unconsciously so we're not aware of what we're saying and incredibly so when or more so when we are involved emotionally So when our emotions are at play in our communication, we speak and say and do things that we wouldn't normally do. In fact, we often revert back to childlike behavior, which I find very interesting. I've just been reading more about the brain recently. And actually, the emotions which are contained in your limbic brain don't mature the same way as the body does. So what happens is when you go to your emotional reptile brain, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, is you automatically revert to childlike behavior, toddler-like behavior, believe it or not. So that's very interesting and helps us to understand a bit more about ourselves. So today is about your emotions, having your emotions in your communication, how you can control them, because there's no point in me telling you how it works and then not giving you any steps to take forward. So we are going to look at five steps around how you can help yourselves when you are becoming emotional and engaged in an emotional conversation and step one is your own self-awareness and this is really important because you cannot change any behavior your words included the way that you communicate and let's face it we communicate every day we talk to each other every day and I, I sometimes get frustrated with education and I don't mean just in schools but in general is this is a tool that we use everyday communication, but m- many of us are not taught how to use it properly. And when you can f- work out for yourself how you behave and what you do, and you can change it, you can make such an inspirational difference to people. Now, I'm lucky enough to work with people in crisis, 
I've uh, spoken to a lot of people that have been on the edge of taking their own life, standing on the edge of buildings, standing on the high places, on roofs, all sorts of different things, locked in cars. And they are at a place where their emotional brain is working very hard and they can't engage the logical side of the mind to make a different or see a different pathway. So when we become emotional or we become very introverted or we're internalizing our thought processes, often what happens is we can't see a different path, a different way that's always been there. We just can't see it. And especially anger and hate and love, they they change our behaviors. And when we're hurt and when we're defensive, we will say and do things. Because what's happening is our emotional brain the part that helps us to survive. So the emotional brain, the chimp brain, the reptile brain, whatever you want to call it, and lots of people call it different things, but what happens is it's your fight or flight response or freeze. And it has been with us since we were cave men and women surviving. So it goes right back to way, 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 way back. And, uh, you know, this isn't a modern day theory. This has been studied by Socrates and Aristotle and, and all those great thinkers from way back when about human emotion and what it is about the brain and what triggers our own human emotions. So it's about your own self-awareness. Now, I know that when I am emotionally driven, I will say and I will do things that I do not mean and often I will take it out on the people that I love and care about the most. So I, I get fascinated by the fact I can spend hours with a complete stranger and listen to them and be patient and walk away from them and then I come home and it will be a small trigger like a mess in the house that will set off my emotions and then I say and do things to the people that I love and care about which isn't right and I'm not saying it's right but that's generally what we do as humans we have that trust element that we can let ourselves be our true selves in front of other people and we don't work hard enough this is my opinion we don't work hard enough on the relationships that we have and I you know I haven't been great at relationships in the past I'm in now in a very stable very secure relationship and I'm very grateful for that and it's because I'm a lot more aware of myself and I work harder at that relationship and also my partner is that will challenge me quite rightly so when I say or do something that isn't right and and so we have that very open and honest conversation and that really matters and I think often we don't have open and on honest conversations with people about how we are genuinely feeling and then we build up what we are feeling and make it into something that it wasn't originally because we keep re replaying re the loop in our mind about the thought process so we'll talk a bit more about that so it's about your self-awareness what do you say and what do you do when you are emotional and all of us are emotional uh, road rage do you have road rage that is a purely emotional trigger when you get home, sometimes you'll look at your house and it will be a mess and you can deal with it. Sometimes you'll come in and you can't deal with it. And also, it's really important to know that it's not your environment that is causing the emotion. It's your reaction to the environment that is causing the emotion. So it's not somebody else making, you know, we use words, we throw words away like, you're making me so angry. 
no. You are making yourself so angry. And when I learned this, I was like, wow, actually, that means I can control how I feel. And you can. It's not simple. I'm not going to say it's simple and easy because it does take practice. It's like any other skill. Unless you practice it, you are going to lose it. But you can make yourself more self-aware. And as you become more self-aware of how you work, how you operate, then you give yourself a good chance of success, far more um, chance of success than you would do if you don't know how you operate. Now, this could be in business. This could be as a leader. This could be as a parent. It could be in anything. Is there an aspect of your life where you get emotional? So think about this. Next time you get emotional and you have an emotional response, afterwards, once your logical brain has kicked in, take some time out and think about what have I just done? What emotion was there? What behavior have I displayed? So think about that. So that's my first point for you is becoming more self-aware. Now, sometimes we get so caught up in our own selves that we don't even know that perhaps we need to change. But do sometimes people say to you, calm down, which is an awful word I get to use with somebody who's fully emotion. But do sometimes people say to you, calm down? Or has anybody ever challenged you? Or do you find yourself getting stressed and anxious when you are driving your car and someone cuts you up and you just explode into a ball of rage? Or do you find yourself shouting at your children for no apparent reason? Or do you find yourself becoming aggressive? You know, somebody bumps into you and you completely overreact by punching them in the face. Or do you sometimes just have a big row and you can feel it, you can feel it bubbling. I don't know about you, but I become very tense in my shoulders. I start to get that niggly pain, uh, pain that feeling in my stomach. And I know... I know when I'm going to go, but it takes time to get to know yourself. So work out what it is, what, Im what you do when you are emotional. So that's my first point. My second point is when you can do that, look at what the trigger is. What is triggering you? Because most of our emotions are a pattern of behavior that will come from way, way, way back. And we're all different. We're all different around our triggers. You know, some of us can sit in traffic for hours. I always remember my dad was the calmest driver in the world. He used to drive us to school, and any time anybody cut us up, he would just be very pleasant about it. He wouldn't get emotional, and he would just carry on his normal day. My mum, however, you know, anybody even turned in the same street as us, sorry about this mum, but she would go into an emotional explosion and get very stressed about the whole journey. And her stress would rub off on uh, my sister and myself. And we would come to <laughs> almost fear the car journey to school if she was taking us. And well, we laugh about it now, but we used to say, oh, thank goodness, dad is taking us to school today rather than mum. So what is it? What is it, that trigger? Why, why was she like that? There will be a reason, and unless you stop and think, you'll never address the reason. So what is your trigger? And often our behavior is a pattern of behavior, and it, it's a habit. So we'll do a routine. We'll do something that we do all the time in reaction, in reaction to, I don't know if you're a footballer and you, you play competitive sport, you'll give a reaction because you're passionate about the game. And that will come from somewhere. You only have to listen to people in the stands at football stadiums and the passion and the emotion that they're giving translates in the language and the behavior that they're using. And sometimes they use that language and a behavior as an excuse so uh, because of the emotion involved. 
So think about what it is, what it is that your trigger is. And we're all very different and we'll all have different emotional triggers. And some of us will be far less emotional than others. I know that I am emotional. I know that when somebody specifically challenges a belief that I believe to be true about myself, and this stems from way, way, way back in my childhood, I will get emotionally defensive about it. And uh, that will cause a difference in my behavior and my communication. So I'm aware of that. I'm not saying I grab it all the time, but I am grabbing it. And it's a continuous process. Here I am at the age of 49, and it's still a continuous process, and it will always be a continual process. It's learning. You never stop learning, which is great. So that's the second point is work out what your trigger is. The third point is as you start to recognize your own behaviors and your own triggers, you can take yourself out of the situation. So you can take yourself away. Now, this is easier said than done. And uh, when I was doing some befriending, I had a, a lad that had ADHD and autism and he really struggled with this. He really struggled with his behavior. He would become very emotional and his immediate reaction was to fight, uh, which obviously got him into a lot of trouble. He got expelled from school. So we devised a system whereby he could work out what his emotions were. And I know that the teachers at the school were doing the same. So he could work out what his emotions were, what the feeling in his body was when he knew he was getting angry or emotional. Now, your emotions are a chemical reaction in your body. I won't go into all the science and the psychology of the brain, but your your re it's a chemical reaction, so the emotions. So you have a thought process, and once you start to think, you start to, to create a chemical reaction in the body. Now, the chemical reaction only lasts initially for 90 seconds. 90 seconds. So if you can take yourself out of the situation for 90 seconds... And then you can start to engage your logical brain. Now, there's also some breathing processes that you can do to uh, help you with that. Uh, I'm not an expert in breathing and relaxation techniques, but there are some things that you can do. But the most important part is to take yourself out of that situation. So if you are in your car and you feel, you, you recognize the feeling churning up inside you where you're going, right, I, I know that I'm going to explode, count to 90 seconds. Or look at the clock for 90 seconds. And as you start to get rid of the chemical reaction and engage the logical brain, then you can change your behavior. Now, I also learned, I've been reading a, a, a really interesting book called A Stroke of Inspiration, which is a doctor who had a stroke. Who was a, she was a neurologist, so she was able to look at it from a scientific point of view about how the brain was working. And she lost the uh, the stroke. The bleed was in the left side of her brain, which meant that she lost her thought process. So all that voice and that chatter that goes on in your head and your thought processes come from the left side of the brain. And she lost that for a period of time, for about seven weeks. And she was able to describe that feeling of not having that constant chatter, but living in a world where you just lived now, 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 now. Nothing more, nothing past, nothing future, just now. And she said it was the most peaceful time of her life. And so when she came out of the stroke, she was able to change her thought processes and change her choices because she realized that actually I am not my thoughts. And again, this goes way, way, way back. And there is a, a book out there called I Am. And I c sorry, I can't remember who has written it, but it, it talks about your thoughts and it talks about being in the moment because you are you. You are not your thoughts. 
you are a process of choices. Now, that's a little bit deep and a little bit heavy for a Sunday morning, but uh, I guess the point I, I would like to make here is that you are in control, and even though sometimes you don't feel in control. And when you can work out that actually it's a chemical reaction, it takes 90 seconds to flow through my body. If I can take myself out of that situation for 90 seconds, then I've got control back. And we like to be in control as human beings, and we feel uncomfortable when we're not. So that's three things. But it, again, it's about that self-awareness. We'll keep coming back to this. Keep coming back to the self-awareness. Because if you want to change something, you have to know the thing that you want to change. So in the, a behavioral change, what happens is we're sometimes in a place where we don't know what we don't know. So we just carry on with our life and we're never going to change anything. Then something happens. An event happens. Or somebody says something to us that makes us stop and go, hang on, I, I don't like that. I want to change that. And then once we start to think about, I want to change, then we look at, how can I change? And this is, this is a process about how you can change. So take yourself out of the situation for 90 seconds. Right, once you've done that, once you're back in logical brain, this is homework for you, I'm afraid. It's not just going to happen overnight. There is no magic wand that says, okay, I am going to change how I feel. Got to go through a process. And the more you practice it, it's like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it becomes. The more it becomes a routine, then it will become a habit. They think it's about 66 times you have to perform a routine before it becomes a habit. And then the more you do it, it will become subconscious. So... After you've taken yourself out of the situation, gone back to logical brain, I want you to think about how you feel now. How do you feel now? So you're out of the situation, you're calming yourself down, you're engaging a logical brain. How do you feel? And just note what it is about what has happened, how you feel. And note how you feel when you don't get control and note how you feel when you do get control. Now, I can only speak from my personal experience, and I do this on a regular basis. The times that I lose control, that I go into emotional brain, and that I say and I do things that I don't mean, I feel horrible. I feel guilty. I want the world to swallow me up. I'm ashamed of my behavior sometimes, and it's not a nice feeling. When I am able to grab control, I feel enlightened. I feel grateful, I um, feel that, I just feel so much better about myself because I've been able to do that, because I've been in control and I haven't hurt anybody. Um, and, and, and that lifts your day. You know, there is one of my mentors, Rob, Rob Moore, he says that you, you don't have a bad day, you, have, you don't have good or bad days, all days are the same, but you have go good or bad moments, but they are moments. So they don't have to ruin your day. And I'll give you a prime example of this. I did a little quick video on this the other day on my Facebook page, which is at Nikki Cons Coach, if you want to join me there. And uh, I had a flood in my house. It was early in the morning, about quarter past five. I went downstairs, found that we were not underwater. That would be an over-exaggeration, but found that there was a lot of water in the room, that the furniture was all soaking wet through, and I am a catastrophizer by nature. I will make a mountain out of a molehill. And I, uh, my thought process is I can just think the worst about anything if I choose to do that. I'm in the process of not choosing to do that. 
And I managed to grab myself. I could feel myself getting a bit anxious about it and think that my whole brain was worrying about what am I going to do. I was on my own in the house. How's this going to work? I could feel myself getting frustrated, a little bit um, upset, angry, bewildered, you know, disappointed, all of those things that go on subconsciously. But I managed to catch myself and change the way that my brain was asking the questions and, and just said, okay, what practically can I do? Right here, right now, what practically can I do? And yeah, it took me a few hours. In fact, it took me the whole morning to sort myself out. But I managed to sort myself out. And I did it in a calm and rational way. And it didn't ruin my day. And, and I felt so much better for that, for being in control. And for not letting it ruin my day. So, the last point I'm going to make is... If you find yourself getting emotional, ask yourself, is this emotional state I'm in now serving me? And what I be mean by that is, is it making my day better? Is what I'm doing, the way that I'm behaving, what I'm saying to other people, is that making my day better? Is it serving a purpose for me? So if you, if you have been hurt by somebody and you are still thinking about it a few months later, and it's still bringing you down every time you think about that. Is that serving you well? Is that helping you to live your life? Is that helping you to move forward? Because I'm going to suggest it's not. What it's doing is it's keeping you in the same place. And every time you think about it, you create those emotional thoughts that bring you down. What about anger? Are you still angry with somebody that hurt you many years ago? Do you still carry that around with you? Do you still harbour that? So every time you think about that person or the event that happened, it makes you angry and frustrated and disappointed. And does that emotion serve you well? It might be that right there, right then, it is serving you well because you've got some frustration you didn't want to get out. But if you're keeping it there and it's causing you stress, and we know that stress doesn't serve us well, not, not, not long-term, constant stress doesn't serve us well, think about that. So they're my five points for you today. So be more self-aware about how you are when you react emotionally, what you do and what you say. Think about what the trigger is that causes the behaviour and the communication, the emotions in the first place. Take yourself out of the situation once you start to become self-aware. Give yourself 90 seconds to let that chemical flow just subside so you can get your logical brain back into gear. Then say to yourself, okay, so how did I feel after that? How did I feel after all of that? And then think about when you do get into an emotional state and when you're thinking and pondering about things, is this emotional, so is this emotion right here, right now serving me? <coughs> now, it might be that sometimes that your, your body has an instinct will to survive and your emotional brain, your reptile brain will kick in when you are under threat and it will ask you the questions, is this safe? So in your subconscious, right over here somewhere, it's constantly going, am I safe? Am I safe? And when you don't feel safe, that's when it will automatically kick in and it will do something probably to save your life. Now, I'm not saying grab control of that because you're never going to grab control of that anyway because your brain will look, after you, will look after you. It's designed to look after you and keep you safe. Now, there's a whole another podcast I could do about why it is in our adolescence and teenage years that we change that and we're far more of a risk taker, especially young men. And perhaps we'll do that in another podcast. But, but for now, is it serving me? And so I'm not talking about that reptile brain that kicks in to get you out 
of danger. I'm talking about your emotions. That when you start to think about it or when you're tired or when you're stressed or when somebody's pushing your emotional buttons and challenging your belief system, is that emotion serving you? Okay, so I hope you have a really good week. Emotional conversation, huge part of our lifestyle. You see it every day. You only have to listen to other people's conversations and see how people react because we know how to behave in public. We know how to behave around other people generally. There are some times that we don't, like road rage is a classic. Football matches are a classic. Drinking too much alcohol, taking drugs is a classic. Not being able to control the emotion or having a vent system or actually understanding that we even have emotions is a classic. And defending ourselves and just letting our brain kick in. And so lastly, I'm going to leave you with an example of how this works. To If you are somebody who is dealing with somebody in your life who is very emotional. So let's flip it over. We've dealt with how you are emotionally, but let's now just quickly look at how what language you can use when you're dealing with confrontation or somebody who's very emotional and this works with children and adults across all spectrums there you label the emotion first and the action later so label the emotion first and the action later so here is a classic example i help out at scouts and there is one of our scouts is is pretty emotionally driven so his emotional brain kicks in very quickly especially when he gets frustrated or he feels that he's being left out of something and we were doing an activity the other day he felt that he was left out of, of something i could see him getting frustrated he threw something to the floor and then shouted at one of the other scouts now the easy reaction to give especially as an adult is to is to give is, is what are you doing pick that up and stop shouting so you're labeling the action first. Instead, the language I use was emotional language. And it was, oh, y you look really frustrated about something. It's like, yeah, I, yeah, I am. Uh, and then it, the question is, what exactly is it that's making you so frustrated? So I label the emotion, you look really frustrated, you look really angry. Uh, what exactly is it? And so he told me what it was that was making him so frustrated and angry, and I just reflected that back to him. So I said, so, this, uh, so because somebody else is doing this job and they've asked you to do something and you'd rather do their job, that's making you angry and frustrated and you think you were treated unfairly. Yes. And I could see him looking at me because he wasn't expecting that reaction. He was expecting me to say, hey, what's going on? Stop shouting and do that. But because we dealt with the emotion and we talked about it, he was able to let it go a lot quicker. And then we deal with the action. And then it was, please pick up what you throw on the floor. And I'd really appreciate it if you didn't throw stuff around. And he did it without any problem, without any argument, with any, without any emotion. And, and it works. And I, we, I use this language on a regular basis. I teach this sort of language. I see it work with people that are very angry. I see it work with people in crisis. I see it work with children. I see it work on adults. And it does work. So you take have that as a takeaway for you today. Um, so label the emotion first and then the action. Brilliant. I hope you have a great week. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Please like if you're following me on Stitcher or iTunes. If you could leave a review, I would really appreciate that. It just helps the 
listing to get higher up so more people see it so I can help more people. And if you would like to leave a comment as well, that would be perfect. And if there's something that you want me to cover, please just get in contact with me and we'll cover it. Otherwise, have a great week and I shall speak to you soon. Hi everyone, Nikki again. If you'd like to follow me on any of my social media sites, you can follow me at, at Nikki Comms Coach. That's N-I-C-K-Y Comms Coach on Facebook and Twitter or at my website, thecommunicationcoach.co.uk or email me at info at thecommunicationcoach.co.uk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>